You are listening to BBC News. Tonight at 10. Dragons illegally laying eggs in Norwich Duck Pond. I have to employ extra people to go through and segregate them out. Post-Brexit dragon concerns. It's them immigrants that brought them there. That's why we don't like the dragon. Walk into our town and promote hate, violence, suicide, death, drug use, and Columbine-like behavior. I can say... Linking violence in movies to higher levels of aggression and violent behavior. Recognizing that many children love violent movies. So motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate. Take a look around! Dodge this. Take a look around. My name is Shawnee Campion, and as always, fighting fire with fire. I am joined by my post-apocalyptic dad, Alistair B-Man Bates. How are you, Batesy? Uh, you who, Sean? <laughs> I'm feeling uh, hot, and it's not because of uh, the fire that the dragon is breathing. I don't know what you're, <laughs> what you're, what you're expecting from me with that introduction. <laughs> uh, I'm not too bad, Sean. How about yourself? I am absolutely fantastic. I'm genuinely excited for this episode. This film holds a very special place in my heart. I think it was my favorite film in the world when I was about 11 or 12 years old. And getting to revisit it was just an absolute hoot and a holler. But you have any idea how crazy you say? <laughs> <laughs> Literally three days off medication level crazy right now. Before we can really get stuck into it, we have a few orders of business to attend to, and the first of which is breaking news. What is this garbage you're watching? I, I want to watch the news. news. Are you making headways? This is the news. Now, news is spelt with an umlaut and a U. It's very clever. Good little pun on our part there. Our breaking news is that we are almost, if not, probably by the time this airs, completely sold out of all the t-shirts. Thank you so much to everyone. You sold us out of house and home in a couple of days. Uh, If you don't have your order yet, it's been three weeks. Please contact us. Al, you got any breaking news for me, Big Doggy? I can confirm that on his Twitch channel, uh, Space Zebra, Wes Borland has hit out at former employer Marilyn Manson. Uh, oh! Due to due to these uh, the disturbing and most likely, uh, it's, I'm going to say it's I, look. Who would have thought that this Marilyn Manson guy was into some pretty crazy stuff, am I right? Yeah, who'd but, have uh, thought that a piece of shit would be a piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Wes Borland has gone on the record and said, and this is a direct quote, Sorry to take this to a dark place, you guys, but this guy is cancelled. Straight from the horse's mouth, Straight Wes from Borland. the he space can- zebra's <laughs> mouth, right there. This, yeah, we can confirm that New Metal has officially cancelled Marilyn Manson. Well, I'm glad that the Space Zebra has handed down his his just a, iron tight gauntlet and thrown it down, <laughs> and that we're ready to just move on quick, with our lives. Quick point: the photo they are using of Marilyn Manson in this news story that I'm reading from is a photo of him from the premiere of the film Elysium, directed by. Neil Blomkamp. Oh, I hated that movie. That's the one with, like, <laughs> Matt Damon and an exoskeleton. So did everybody. <laughs> that was one of the worst films ever made, and I'm so glad it tanked Blomkamp's career. I am not a fan. Vic is the prunes. They're disgusting. He yeah, Blomkamp we get it. Space racism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Now, joined on this very special episode today is a guest. You might know him as Thomas Violence from Twitter, but you might know him better as Ben from Bunta Vista and host of the 2-Bit Cinema Club. It is Ben. How you going, Ben? I'm doing fucking fantastic. Thank you very much. That is fucking awesome to hear. Now, Ben, something we like to ask our guests the first time they come on is, can you give us your earliest new metal memory? So I thought I thought I had this one pegged with walking up the main street in Bundaberg with my little Dick Smith Electronics 256 megabyte MP3 player listening to Corn, but I think I can actually predate that one with being like 10 or 11 years old and my sister who was like 5 years older than me uh, stealing from her CD collection 
significant other and chocolate starfish and hot dog flavored water to listen to on a, like the CD player we had in our living room when my parents went home and just being like, <laughs> holy fuck, this is the coolest shit I've ever heard in my life. Finally, something speaks to me, the middle class white guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so angry, but I do love yeah. almost rap, kind of. I do know what it's like to wake up <laughs> and have everything suck. <laughs> Previous to this, the only person that's really gotten me as an eight-year-old has been Garfield and his hatred of Mondays. And now this man hates every single day. <laughs> what a severe escalation in representation. Garfield's hatred is so pointed, whereas, yeah, uh, Fred Durst is just in every single direction at the same time. You know that, like, montage from Spider-Man where he's just, like, constructing the costume, but it's Fred Durst making this, like, image for himself and he's just drawing a backwards cap on Garfield. (laughs) (laughs) This'll be me. This'll show everyone. This film, if you haven't already gotten it from the title is 2002's Reign of Fire, starring, I shit you not, Christian Bale, (laughs) Matthew McConaughey, and Jared Butler. Play trailer. A creature has been awakened that has lain dormant for millions of years. A species older than the dinosaurs and more terrifying than anything we could have imagined. How did they go from one to a million in less than a year? Highly evolved. They have great vision in the day. They have even better vision at night. Extremely intelligent. He's playing hide and seek. More like cat and mouse. Unbelievably powerful. Two glands in the mouth secrete separate chemicals. Combine an exhalation, natural napalm. Good luck. Now one will protect them. We have to hang on, work together. And one will lead them. There's nothing magical about it. They're made of flesh and blood. You take out their heart, you bring down the beast. I know where they started. We're going to London. This summer... Vertical one up. The plan is set. 1,600 yards, closing fast. The arsenal has been assembled. Get ready to rock and roll! Three jumpers! And they've got one chance to take back their world. Matthew McConaughey, Christian Bale... Rain of Fire. Did you guys watch this movie when it came out? I saw it on DVD with friend of the show Joshua Wolski, who I feel like I've mentioned a lot of these movies I've watched. (laughs) Uh, He married a Salvation Army lady in Korea, and I have not heard from him since he was 19. (laughs) (laughs) A friend of mine, like, blew my mind the other day. It turns out the Salvation Army is real and not yeah. just a shop. Like, they're like a full-on, like, Christian cult. I had no idea. Yeah, and, like, weapons-grade homophobic as well. <laughs> like, real. Damn. Real yeah, like, I, I just assumed that, like, I don't know, the Salvation Army was, like, the naval reserve from the Simpsons. Uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not actually real. They, they don't have any weapons. They run op shops that are staffed by people who are being made to do work experience or they'll have their fucking doll cut off they're a pretty horrible group (laughs) they've got like that serena russo connection don't they i'm not too sure but uh yeah no i did see it when it came out (laughs) what about you ben i reckon i saw it like the year after it came out it was uh i would have been i guess like 12 or 13, it was my friend Chun Q's birthday party. Friend of the show, Chun Q. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> friend of the show, Chun yes. Q, don't know his last name. Uh, 
His parents were like super rich and like Sweet. every year he'd have a birthday party where he'd just get like every single kid in the grade to come around and they would shout everyone like bottomless McDonald's and let us go to Video Easy and get movies that none of our other parents would oh like. Oh my yes. God. <laughs> you like are a friend time. of the show, so Chunk. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> I remember seeing this and just thinking like, I literally can't imagine anything cooler. There are like muscle bound dudes with guns and dragons, which are the only things I care about. Like, it's a oh, dream. Absolutely. <laughs> Wait, Sean, you... What about you? Did you watch it when it came out? Yeah, I fucking love this movie! Oh, I th- I'm n- <laughs> Tell us all about that. Well, like, I think we were visiting my mum's friends in Perigian Springs up the coast, and uh, we were all planning to go to the movies, and, like, my mum's friend was like, oh, we should watch this movie, Rain of Fire. And I was like, don't say anything. If you say something, it won't happen. Just just shut your fucking mouth. Let the adults decide <laughs> to watch this movie. Do not make a fuss. And then uh, we managed to get all the way in, and I saw it, and I was just blown the fuck away. This is everything that a child wants to see. It's just like I was just absolutely blown away. I wanted a poster of it to hang on my wall. I was had zero idea how to make that happen. <laughs> I still want a poster of it to hang on my wall to this day. Look at that tagline. Fight That's fire with kicking fire. Around. Come on, you can't make this shit up. I reckon if you go to enough of the remaining sanities, you will find a rain of fire poster somewhere in there. Sweet hidden treasure. I was in Kapalabar the other day and found a sanity that had apparently only closed three days earlier. Oh, brutal. <laughs> it's like those, um, you hear stories about the snipers from the Japanese, <laughs> the Japanese snipers that have been left behind after the war and they're still holding their posts 70 years later on some little <laughs> island in Okinawa. <laughs> So let's kick straight into this one. So this is set in the far-off year of 2002 as we get Harry Potter strolling (laughs) through the streets of London onto a construction site. And this opening is incredible. This little kid has so much spunk. Why is he friends with so many miners? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hello, Quinn. You quitting smoking again? Oh, I told you, I only smoke when I've been drinking. Yeah. (laughs) This kid's got chewed. This kid is so good. Turns out his mum is head of safety at a mine site. Okay, first of all, terrible at her job. Let's her, like, 10-year-old son just wander down a mine elevator without a hard hat into an operating mine site while she is spraying a fire extinguisher over cans of beer to cool them off for the miners. First of all, love it. A brilliant opening. And then it's revealed that one of the miners has found a void. Oi, Gary's found an unknowable entity down in the mines. You gotta come check it out. And uh, while everyone's arguing about what to do, uh, Quinn crawls in to find what looks like 10,000 of the eggs from Alien and a fucking dragon that spits dragon cum all over his face. Now, like, we'll get into the specifics of, like, the dragon reproductive system a little bit further on in this film, but that's dragon cum, isn't it? Is it it unignited dragon fluid? Did something go wrong in the fire process? I don't really understand what's meant to have happened there. Well, basically, like... I thought it was like a warning jism. A warning jizz? Yeah, I'm always sending off warning (laughs) jizz. (laughs) I warning jizz my pants. (laughs) Just a little short, non-lethal cum to let people know to leave you alone. Uh, When I get really stressed at work, I let off warning jizz in my pants. Uh... Yeah, but basically, like, all right, since I've made a big deal out of it, later on in this film, there is an idea put forward that there is one bull dragon that flies all over Europe, spraying cum over non-inseminated eggs of of the dragons to then inseminate all of them, and every other dragon is a girl. Oh, right, yeah, okay, I see. Yeah, and so, if that's the man... That's dragon jizz. He's covered Harry Potter in dragon jizz. <laughs> Few movies are bold enough to start with a child covered in jizz. 
I wonder why. <laughs> so the dragon absolutely freaks the fuck out because we've disturbed his thousand-year slumber, and he proceeds to smash up the fucking mine sites and kill Quinn's mother. Flash forward through this incredible montage where we get... Uh, it reminded me a lot of A Quiet Place, where we get Time Magazine saying, like, the end, question mark, <laughs> <laughs> with footage of just dragons lighting the Empire State Building on fire. It's like, think about, like, the, the t- Time Magazine would have need to have, like, given that to a, a printer, to an editor, who's like, mm, can we sharpen this image up about 30%? Like, and then by that point, what is the, the readership level of Time Magazine <laughs> during the just- apocalypse? Giving the like the published issues to the ten people huddled in the basement of the time building. Uh, bad news, guys. We uh, we couldn't get the permission to use one of the photos of the dragons, so <laughs> it turns out Time Warner own it. We're gonna have to find some new new photos. Uh, also, bad news: the dragons have breached the perimeter. We have thirty minutes to live. <laughs> I love that trope where it is literally the newspaper clippings that are, everyone is dead. Uh, (laughs) Except us. Yeah, exactly. So flash forward, we find ourselves in this medieval castle that's been decked out with all this cool Mad Max shit. And we get Christian Bale, you know, working out and you know, building up his little fortress of solitude. It's 2020 in Northumberland. And Northumberland, for me, it just sounds like one of those made-up British places where the wind in the willows (laughs) 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 But I think the thing that made me laugh the most about this sequence that absolutely pissed off my girlfriend to no end when I watched this with her was that this film is set in 2020. And I can't believe we didn't do it last year, but I also can't believe how prescient it is that this is what happens when you do a Brexit. You get dragons! Whoa. <laughs> All I'm saying is, I just want Britain for the British. I don't know no bleeding bloody dragons. Dragons that are an allegory for Polish people? Is, is that what you're saying? <laughs> All I'm saying is, I want to pop down to Greg's for a sausage roll, and I don't want there to be a lorry knocked over outside the off-license because of some bloody dragon. Imagine how good those, like, news clips would have been. You know how they keep interviewing people who are like, well, when I voted for Brexit, I didn't realise it would mean I can't import or export the special kind of fish that I do or whatever, except instead they're like, well, I voted for it, but I didn't know about the dragons ending civilization thing otherwise. I wouldn't have done that. If Nigel Farage had told me, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have voted for it. It's the dragons, isn't it? When I was eating jellied eels at a UKIP meeting, I didn't realise that I'd be hiding in the basement from a bleeding blood and dragon. <laughs> the other thing that strikes me here is that Christian Bale's having a big argument with this guy named Eddie about, you know, what to do next. Eddie wants to go out and harvest their crops because they're all starving. Christian Bale believes they they need to germinate for the next winter. And Eddie says, there's not going to be another winter. We haven't heard from <laughs> Norwich in two years. Which leads me to believe that maybe, just maybe, that there was a post-apocalyptic Alan Partridge that lasted through to 2018. <laughs> the temperature inside this apple turner <laughs> is 1,000 degrees. If I squeeze it, A jet of molten Bramley apple is going to squirt out. Could go your way, could go mine. Who's just like leading his ragtag band of people from Norwich. And he's like, and move and fire and move and fire. And then suddenly you are able to strike the killing blow. It's a quarter to 11. And this is Heaven by Eurogliders. Christian Bale and Jared Butler, like, that's a fucking coup for the casting director. Like, it probably didn't pay off. Yeah, friend of the show, Jared Butler from Dracula 2000. Oh, of course! I think this is another one of his very early Yes! I was wondering what he would have done before this, but yeah, it would have been probably just this 
and the first Lara Croft movie, I'd say. Two of the greatest films that we have watched, <laughs> which, I mean, that's good. <laughs> but, I mean, to snag Matthew McConaughey, who was... He was in movies at this point. Like, you mentioned on the Patreon app, Frailty. Like, he would have been in that the year before this. Yeah, this would have been the same time. Uh, this predates his, like, move into romantic comedies and would be a good, like decade before the reconnaissance but to get batman matthew mcconaughey from <laughs> magic mike and uh what is he prince of persia from 300 yeah good job casting director <laughs> uh it's kind of crazy how good matthew mcconaughey is in this film uh i really kind of feel like he just sabotaged his own career by doing all of those rom-coms and really could have avoided the whole pigeonholing as a dumb goofy texan dude well to be honest i think that film he did that they shot up on the sunshine coast sahara that was widely regarded as one of the biggest box office bombs of the era I think that really tanked his career to the point that people just weren't willing to take a chance on him. Did, didn't he also do Fool's, Go- Fool's Gold in Harvey Bay? Yeah, I'd say so. He, he used to live in Gosford. <laughs> yeah, hometown of mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to claim him as the Central Coast. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I think I remember, because I was like living in Harvey Bay at the time, when they were shooting it, or it might have been just after I moved out of home, maybe. I don't know. Whenever the fuck it was. But, like, they were there, and there was everyone was like, oh, my God, Matthew McConaughey's in town. And then it was like, well, nope, they saw one Irukandji, and now they have moved the entire production uh, out of Honey <laughs> So, this, like, opening sequence, it's, you know, like, it's, it's pretty good. Like, it's some great world building. But then when Eddie and his, like, son sneak out into the actual farm to harvest the place, and we see our first dragon attack, this is an absolutely fantastic action sequence. My heart was racing during the farm scene. What about you guys? I thought it was pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, it really... I feel like I like this movie a lot more than you do. <laughs> I do like, like, few films uh, focus on the importance of being damp. Like this movie does, there's a lot of making sure you're oh, wet at yeah. all times, which you don't. Yeah, you don't see that often in action movies. Yeah, it definitely they really hammer home the England has fucking dreadful weather angle for quite a lot of the film, which is maybe like the most <laughs> apocalyptic thing about it before the apocalypse has even happened. It's a horrible place before the dragons have even come. Yeah, pedophile island, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like that they are all set up in a castle as well. It's like, historically, dragons love castles. Yeah. It's like their whole thing. You can't mention one without the other. Like, I feel like the first thing a dragon would do is try and fuck the castle. <laughs> and boy, does it do it. So uh, we get a lot of uh, that amazing action sequence out in the field. Uh, this beautiful little sequence where Jared Butler and uh, Matthew McConaughey as the kind of the two gay dad, not Matthew McConaughey, Christian Bale as the kind of the two gay dads of the of the village of orphans reenact Star Wars for them, and it's so cute, isn't it? I thought I cringed at that man. I hate nothing more. Really? Than, I love I, that trope of like, uh, it's like it's up. It feels like something out of Guardians of the Galaxy, where it's like. Uh, I'm uh, going to explain yeah. Top Gun to you with uh, with Drax, and it's uh, all the little kids are going to laugh at it, and I'll pass it off as my own story. <laughs> Weirdly, they they but, also do like basically exactly the same thing in Star Wars. Like Return of the Jedi has that. Oh bit yeah, where, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where three people was just telling the events of the previous movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That scene does work. So, well, he could do the sound effects real good. He's like then... the Michael Winslow of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> <laughs> 
So then uh, up in the little radio shack up the top, we suddenly get reports that we've got, uh, we got movement on the horizon and it's a whole bunch of fucking tanks. And who is it up in the fucking radio shack? It's fucking Dr. Bashir from Deep Space Nine. I nearly leapt out of the couch. I was so excited to see him in something. I bet. And I'm horrified to find he's a nerd. And so when you say a Radio Shack, right, it's like a functioning Radio Shack like the shop. It's like the last Radio Shack in existence that they have. (laughs) It's a a shack full of radios. I don't know what else you want me to call it. I'm sorry that the name Radio Shack is copyrighted. They're they're probably not enforcing copyright law at this point. I'd say after the dragon thing, you'd be like, you know, don't worry about it. You can have it. I, I read a great story about uh, Dr. Bashir being approached on the first day of shooting by a first AD who is like, okay, Matthew McConaughey's on set and he doesn't want to be called Matthew McConaughey. He doesn't want to be called Mr. McConaughey. And if you see him out and about on the town while we're shooting this, you are not to refer to him by those names either. You are referred to him completely in character as Van Zan. And Dr. Bashir said, okay, well, he's got to call me Elvis. And the first AD was like, uh, okay. And then Dr. Bashir says that Matthew McConaughey didn't say a single word to him the entire production. <laughs> Just completely ignored his existence. Like, what a fucking sick name, though. Like, both of the main characters' names are Quinn Abercrombie and Denton Van Zandt. Oh, so cool. So Matthew McConaughey rocks up. He's like proto-Vikings bro. He's got a shaved head, like a a goatee and tribals and he's the leader of a bunch of like ex-marine dragon killers from america it's an extremely cool opening (laughs) they like rock up with like a whole set of tanks and like yeah we're the kentucky irregulars this is a dragon's tooth but then he does one of the single stupidest fucking like speeches I've ever heard in a movie where he describes killing a dragon where they can see good during the day and better at night but during sunset they're blind it's the magic hour they repeat the phrase magic hour multiple times throughout the movie as well it's so funny every time you're not taking fucking Instagram photos (laughs) calm down man just call it like Twilight or dawn or dusk. There are words for that. The dragon is impervious to the rule of thirds. This photo, this photo looks horrible. I don't really like. What's the logic meant to be there? With like, it has a set of day vision eyes and night vision eyes, but like, Twilight, it's slightly fucked. dark. It can't handle. Look, if this film goes heavy on the like. We're going to bring realism to fantasy (laughs) angle. The dragons uh, secrete two chemicals from sacks in the side of their mouths, which are then ignited, which causes the fire breath. Of course, everybody knows that. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently that's been taken as, like, fact for almost every piece of, like, dragon mythos since. It's in the Harry Potter films. It's in Game of Thrones. It's in a film called Gods of Egypt, which I've never oh, heard dude, of. Gods of Egypt. Oh, my God. It's so Prince good. It's nuts, hey? yeah? <laughs> You've got to see it. It's like the best fantasy movie that's been made since the 80s. It, it's it fucking so, rules. It, it's a friend of the show, Alex Proyas. It is, like, literally just like playing with a fucking conan the barbarian plastic dolly (laughs) and you know when you like i don't know if you remember when you were kids but when you'd hold like an action man and pretend that it's flying by just you know having it in your (laughs) hand and going yeah it's that but the movie it's nuts (laughs) that sounds great i want to watch this now it's a nightmare how much spine shank how much spine shank is on the soundtrack can we swing this one from memory zero but look Let's not rule it out. It's spiritually, like, very new metal. Like, it's like ancient gods of Egypt, for some reason, three metres tall and can turn into kind of robot things, sort of. (laughs) Kind of weird meh. Alex Proyas is so cool. We've got to try and find a way to get him on this. Like, I mean, he kind of invented the whole genre we talk about with The Crow. We need to find a way to break into this man's house. (laughs) Such a weird filmography. Like, just what a life this man has had. It is absolutely baffling. Yeah, he's, he's, I remember he's at uni taking a screenwriting course and hearing that 
after I want to say knowing tanked. Uh, he rocked up to his office at Warner Brothers or whichever studio it was, and it was literally like a nightclub bouncer being like, "Oh, your name's not on the list," <laughs> and uh, he's like, "What are you talking about? I see you every day. All my stuff's in there." And it's like, "Can't let you in if your name's not on the list." <laughs> God, it sounds so brutal. So then he went and made Garage Days, one of the greatest films of all time. (laughs) So basically, Van Sant lets Quinn know, hey, I just need to come in to refuel my tanks and I'll be out of your hair by six o'clock tomorrow. And then as soon as he gets in, he's like, surprise, I need you, men. We're going to go fuck up dragons. I've got a helicopter and I've got these sweet parachuting guys called Archangels. And I need 10 bros. And the Archangels are so fucking cool. Basically, like, they live for 17 seconds because they jump out of a helicopter in a wingsuit and strap nets onto dragons for them to blow it up. That's the coolest am, thing I've ever heard of. I'm fascinated by that. Uh, their average like lifespan after they jump out is like 17 seconds light or whatever. Because there's a couple of dudes there that have been doing it for years. So yeah. to get that average down to 17 seconds, they must have had like 10,000 dudes that lived for half a second. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way. That's so good. Yeah, it says he's he's a veteran of twelve years. <laughs> he's literally been through ten thousand people. <laughs> Just like oh, he died when he hit his head on the edge of the helicopter on his way out. All right, we'll tally that one down. This, there is that fantastic sequence where everyone's on dirt bikes putting down the three D mapping spikes as well. Oh, they have that so crazy. Good. And guess what, Al? It's right now. That sequence yeah. is happening right yeah, now rocks, in the movie. <laughs> yeah, they're like the three verticals thing. Like, that feels left over from a 90s film. Like, we really don't get that enough anymore. The, like, oh, uh, like, the sprocket's been tipped over so we can't 3D map and activate the Stargate or whatever. So someone has to, like, race through the, like, war zone to get to it. It's such a good trope. It's a technology that would seem impressive to, like, the a 2002 audience as well, which is, watching it now, you're like, oh, that, that's pretty cool, I guess. But back then, you'd be like, 3D maps? Wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so the the wingsuit sequence in particular is is particularly fun for me because it's the most new metal this film gets. Like, I just assume these guys would jump out to parachute, but they are, like wingsuiting down with like net guns to take on a dragon the dragon like fucks their shit up and so christian bale has to race out on his horse to uh (laughs) to put the sprocket back in and then we get the most amazing oddly sexual line from matthew mcconaughey where he's like, I need you to lead it right to me. I need 16,000 pounds of horse flesh to come right down my throat. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay. (laughs) It's such an intense performance as well. You know, when you can see Matthew McConaughey playing characters where he sees himself as that guy? Like, Mud is one where I feel it's the same, where he's like, you know, I'm sort of a weird (laughs) South guy with all these tricks and stuff and a real charming but weird but he also views himself as the ultimate warrior as in this movie well to be honest i feel like that's matthew mcconaughey's whole thing is that's most of the roles he plays is like that's probably like a character that's been written and he like gets to the early script meeting and he's like all right all right all right now what if what if this guy was kind of a piece of shit (laughs) i'm like a lion cub man when my family are threatened i get i get on my hind legs and i attack the man i'm a warrior (laughs) like i do get the impression that he sort of like molded this a little bit to himself like there's the dragon or the the weird tribal tattoos he has were his idea yeah. Uh, and they also, terrible, by the, sound, by the way, like they are who, not good. Whoever like did costuming on this film has never actually seen a tribal tattoo. 
You're telling me it's a bunch of triangles? Okay. <laughs> it's some lines, but the lines have some points as well, maybe. Yeah. Also, there's like a weird thing where Christian Bale was saying that he was surprised when McConaughey rocked up on set and was super jacked because he was planning to be, like Christian Bale was planning to be super emaciated because of, you know, there's not a lot of food around or whatever. And then he saw that McConaughey was super jacked. He was like, well, now I have to get jacked. Otherwise, we look uneven. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to like... Jared Butler's like, us. well, if you guys are getting jacked, I'm getting jacked. We're all getting jacked. <laughs> Christian Bale <laughs> looks like... He's not looking his best in this film, I'll say. Like, there are several, like, unflattering low angles where it's like, dude... You've been hitting the pies off of the machinist, but haven't gotten in shape <laughs> for Batman yet. Like it's just, yeah, it's it's huge fat Mac energy. Like he's just <laughs> just a little bit bigger than normal. I feel like I want to split the difference between you and say that Christian Bale like is having meetings with the director and like. He's just like, okay, okay, I, I don't care about any of that. Uh, wh- what's, what's his body look like? And the director's just like, <laughs> nah, just, just normal, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like a lizard. Normal like a lizard. <laughs> They're just like trying to coerce him into method acting as just like a guy, like a regular guy that just eats like a normal amount. Just a normal, regular guy. Yeah, normal. <laughs> I'm going to be so normal. Also, they've given him like quite shitty facial hair for reasons yeah. I don't fully understand. It's not like it looks like they awful. have guns and shit. They probably have razors. Like you don't have to have a bad beard just because it's the post-apocalypse. Yeah, it it, it kind of looks like a piece. Like it a... it does look like it's been spirit gummed on, doesn't yeah. it? It's got that like uh, person who can't get the sort of full coverage of a beard, but they can get the length on what hair they can grow. Mm. Bro, just tag so- me next time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's also what's happened to my face. It's like, <laughs> fucking awful. But I'm trying. Lord knows I'm trying. So but it's just transparent. If it catches the light wrong, you're like, oh, there's his face. <laughs> Maybe that's why they were so obsessed with Magic Hour. They're like, we all look like shit. <laughs> we need to shoot this film at key photography points. <laughs> Because we've all rocked the up to set. The be two directional. Yeah, we've all rocked up to set and be like, oh, we all look like shit. <laughs> so basically, they fuck up this dragon with a single big fuck off, like, grenade launcher into its face, uh, which leads to uh, everyone who's been cowering in the basement for the last decade. Decides to have a full-on Burning Man-style rave to Jimi (laughs) Hendrix. It's like, are you guys not worried, like, at all? Like, you've just... What's going on here? That that bit's very fun. Do you reckon that was, like, an an in-universe choice? Because, obviously, it's meant to be on the nose that the Hendrix song they're listening to is fire. Mm. Yeah, of course. Like, do you think someone in-universe was meant to have been, like... Oh, everyone's going to get a real kick out of this. <laughs> or it's just the filmmakers being smug. See, I was led down that same rabbit hole in that, like, there's clearly some guy that for the last 20 years has been lo- lugging around his Jimi Hendrix CDs, <laughs> like, between, like, burned out post-apocalyptic camps. Just like, one of these days, everyone is going to want to listen to Credence. <laughs> and I'm going to be the guy to put it on. <laughs> Just sitting in the dragon How would that be you in the apocalypse? Absolutely. (laughs) Dude, uh, I, like, fucking shit my pants when they played uh, Voodoo Child at the end of the most, I think, the second most recent episode of WandaVision. I don't know. That, that, That would just... It's such a bizarre choice, though, for this film, Fire. I guess there aren't a lot of songs called Water or, like, Wheat. (laughs) (laughs) There are, they're not particularly good. They could have played the last quarter of an Earth, Wind and Fire song. That didn't make sense. I would have personally played When the Dolphins Cry by Live, but only because it's a sweet song. So Van Zan reveals his ulterior motive. He hasn't been planning to just fill up his tanks. He needs Quinn's men to uh, enact his plan to go to London because as we talked about at the start of the episode briefly, and I have a note here, look up lizard sex, question mark, (laughs) important, exclamation mark, which is that Quinn and his helicopter pilot, who I 
I want to say her name is Anna. She was a Bond girl who only yeah, really had an one Italian. or two other worlds. And her name is Isabella Scorpio, which is probably the Sick. coolest name yeah. ever. <laughs> pretty sweet. Basically, their plan is they have worked out that all of the dragons are female and that there's one bull dragon who is flying all over Europe, just inseminating all these dragons by spraying dragon jizz over the existing eggs to create a new dragon apocalypse. But if they kill the one male dragon in London, then they can take out the entire race. And uh, Quinn is, of course, like, no way, no fucking way, man. And then Matthew McConaughey is like, it'd be a lot cooler if you did. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, I only need 10 men. It's like, you know what? That seems fair. Like, you know, 10 men would take a punt on killing all the dragons. We already lost like five guys during the farm scene earlier. Like, what's 10 men going to do? It's our last chance to save humanity. But hey, you know, having a couple of guys along extra, that's too much effort. Fuck it. Why not? Just a couple. (laughs) so weird they get like a big old like fight between them and then matthew mcconaughey kicks the shit out of quinn and so everyone's kind of like uh we're going with the cool dude with the tribal tats now first of all never go with a hippie to a second location (laughs) second of all Uh, probably a terrible idea because as soon as they get to Pembury, another made-up Wind in the Willows place, uh, the male dragon attacks and fucking kills everybody. The male dragon comes back to the castle and kills everyone, including Dr. Bashir and the guy that makes the potions on Game of Thrones that just appears in a couple of scenes. I don't know. Quinn is like, all right, you get your way. We're going to go to London and we're going to kill this male dragon. Uh, So they fly down to London. They get there. And this, I was really hoping that they'd keep the scale of the male dragon because he's supposed to be the biggest one. But as soon as they get there, he's like, what? Like, I don't know, like 20 feet tall, maybe. So it's one of those like big dicks, but only because he's like a small person kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The sequence is truly amazing for for two reasons. One of which is the fact that uh, literally like five seconds in, Christian Bale drops the like flame arrows he needs. (laughs) And it's just like completely powerless. And so Matthew McConaughey climbs this water tower to distract the dragon and then leaps at it with an axe, and you expect it to be this massive, big, fuck you move, only to have the dragon just bite him out of the air and just fly (laughs) off, killing him instantly. It is one of the best deaths I've seen in so long in a movie. The movie doesn't even, like, pause to really, like... Like, the characters don't reflect on it. The movie doesn't reflect on it. It's just like, oh, that guy's dead now. Well, we have to keep going with this. Like, yeah. And they're not even in, like, the postscript of the movie. They're like, thank God for that brave American. They're like, oh, fuck it. He's gone. <laughs> fuck that guy. It's magic hour now, so everything's fucked up for Daddy Dragon. They shoot him with a exploding arrow and pop his fucking head off. Flash forward to, I don't know, I want to say six months later, they're they're back with the survivors building a radio tower. Quinn has even worse facial hair than he did previously. (laughs) And then uh, his, like, adopted son character rocks up and is like, we've heard a signal on the radio. They're speaking French. And Quinn's just like, ask them for a bottle of wine. And it's just like, this child has grown up entirely in a post-apocalyptic landscape. He doesn't know about, like, French stereotypes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, his whole life has been cowering in fear from dragons, and you're like, (laughs) they eat frogs' legs. When the fuck would he have ever heard French in the first place? Yeah, I'm assuming that someone was just like, that's French. And he's like, okay, what's French? (laughs) French. That sounds interesting. (laughs) You're telling me there are places that aren't this, like, desiccated castle that we live in? I just realized that Christian Bale in that scene kind of looks like young Santa. (laughs) (laughs) 
Luca. So yeah, the the timeline is fucking baffling, right? Because it's probably it seems like it's like six months or so afterwards, and they're like, we haven't seen a dragon in three months. What the fuck is the lifespan of a dragon? Yeah. Well, that, like, that sure. that's Quinn's whole like, thing. He's like, I'm going to. Uh, all we need is to outlive the dragons by just hiding down there. And it's like, bro, they've been alive for thousands of years. They're fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, like the one that's, that was in the cave was meant to have been there for thousands of years. Just because they're not having new ones doesn't mean all the old ones are suddenly disappearing, right? Like, they're going to be around for like another couple hundred years. Yeah, I don't think Thin's really thought this one through. <laughs> So, production-wise, the director, Robert Bowman, I was like, okay, uh, let's have a look at this guy. Let's see what his deal is. And then I saw that he's basically responsible for, like, 90% of the X-Files. Like, like you imagine an X-Files episode, and he was the one that directed it. Uh, on top of that, he directed okay. a stack of Star Trek The Next Generation episodes, uh, but all of the bad ones somehow, <laughs> like the ones with fucking like Data as Sherlock Holmes or the introduction of Deanna Troy's horny mom. So I was like, oh boy. <laughs> I'm going to posit this, but 90% of the X-Files is pretty lousy. What? Are you yeah. kidding me? Uh, look, I love, no I love it. But I'd say 60. 60% of it is an episode where you're just like... Oh, gosh. Oh, <laughs> yeah, come on, right? man. Like, the, like the, I think that a lot of the, the dialogue and the relationship is, like, good most episodes, yeah. but a lot of the time, the monster or the thing is just like... This, this kind of sucks. Yeah, the psychedelic okay. mushrooms that make people ghosts to rape the nurses at a senior care episode. And for some reason, Joel McHale is just in season 11. Like, that's not a good show. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. As the, like, Alex Jones, Alex Jones yeah, yeah. type guy. And there's, like, a weird sort of suggestion that, like, a lot of the weird right-wing conspiracy, like, borderline Q stuff is true and that Mulder believes it as yeah. well, which oh, is wow. really fucking Mulder weird. Mulder a QAnon person. <laughs> okay, I will posit to you guys that I haven't watched The X-Files since I was 15. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've, but I remember really enjoying it. I've rewatched it up to like season six, maybe twice in the last decade. I think five is where it like drops off significantly, isn't it? I can't it? remember. What you... yeah, the first six are like the yeah. good ones, and then after that, you got all the fucking the what's his name guy from Robert Patrick. Oh yeah, 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 yeah comes yeah. in his character. <laughs> Nobody from the show is in the X Files anymore for like. And there's the weird psychic lady that comes in as well. He's just like, do you what? Remember, no one cares about any of this. Why are you doing this? Do you remember how this? they made that movie where Billy Connolly was the bad guy? X-Files, uh, I, well, I fight to fight the future, the or I want to believe future. it. Yeah. <laughs> weird, weird franchise. <laughs> Rob Bowman did the first X-Files movie, which was his only production credit prior to this for a, directing a feature film. The one that had... Uh, a character blowing up a federal building in Oklahoma like two months before the Oklahoma City bombing happened. Uh, oh. So there's probably a reason why he didn't get another directorial uh, option <laughs> till 2002. But do you remember that weird period where people were just making uh, feature films off TV series during the 90s? Like there's a stack of Star Trek The Next Generation movies yeah there's an x-files movie i'm sure there's a roseanne movie out there that i haven't heard of that has a seven dust soundtrack <laughs> rob bowman would also go on to direct electra oh. the daredevil spin-off that we'll be covering later on in this season so uh oh, sucked in if you have to listen to the show <laughs> fuck what a movie like the two things from that movie stick out to me that i can remember one is that it used a song from Christian rock band Switchfoot, uh, which is hilarious. And I that love they Switchfoot. Also, we were meant to live a... for so much oh. more. Anyway, sorry. The uh, first time I heard Switchfoot was because I was dating a Christian girl who loved Switchfoot. That's fun <laughs> yeah, baby. They also, what? Electra, like, wholesale rips off a scene from Kill Bill, like, of, like a cool walking down the hallway shot using, like, 
basically the same music, the same slow-mo and shit, and it looks like us. I feel like there was like a stack of films that came out in the wake of Kill Bill that we were going to have to cover on this podcast. Aeon Flux, Ultraviolet, and Electra oh, all yes. spring to mind. Uh, the creature effects in this film have held up. The dragons look remarkably good for 2002. Yeah. There's like a, a review from 2002 by uh, Roger Ebert where he like complains about them. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I'm watching them in 2021 and they like, they look fine. Yeah. Yeah. And he's yeah, dead. Yeah. So but you look uh, stupid now, Roger. So who won? <laughs> <laughs> I, someone posited to, well, not to me, they just posted it on Twitter, but it got me thinking. <laughs> yeah. Someone spoke to me directly on Twitter with their tweet. Uh, was that Roger Ebert was wrong about almost everything. He had gravitas as a film critic just because of his standing, but he got a lot of shit wrong. And uh, he, he hated Reign of Fire, so fuck him. <laughs> he fucking loved Dark City, though, and he was right about I that. I agree. Okay, I guess we are going to have to do Dark City at some point. Yeah, baby. Maybe we, so we can lure um, Alex Proyas into your house, Al. With like the promise of like a, I don't know, a Gods of Egypt sequel, maybe. <laughs> Did you see that Cursed Films uh, documentary series on Shudder? Oh, uh, the episode yeah, on like the Crow at all? Was like whatever. Yeah, it's it's okay, but the Cursed Films app about the Crow they lean pretty heavy on the idea that it's Alex Proyas's fault. That like he like had like a culture of getting anything done on a tight budget, which oh. I hadn't heard before, and I'm like, Ugh, yikes! You could say it was negligence. You could say it was bad luck. I mean, you can't. No, I think it's a yakuza curse. Like, <laughs> like they posited in that. It's not a crime <laughs> to accidentally shoot somebody with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> it might be pointed at their face. <laughs> It's not a crime to kill someone if you didn't mean to. Yeah. <laughs> Manslaughter is not a crime. <laughs> Anyone else got anything on production? This film was shot in Ireland. Uh, it, That's about they it had for to me. Sh- they, they had to shut it down because of foot and mouth. Like the first foot and mouth outbreak in like 30 yeah. years or something. <laughs> I'm still not entirely sure what foot in mouth disease is, except that it's extremely funny to say. It makes cows sad, is my belief. That's all I understand. <laughs> I thought that was mad cow disease, or is it sad cow disease? Those are the two diseases that can affect cows <laughs> psychologically. They either get depression or agitation. Yeah. Uh, I sort of think that the guys that wrote the original screenplay, Greg Chabot, Chabot, I don't know, and Kevin Paterka, uh, <laughs> never wrote anything before Raid of Fire and never wrote anything afterwards. Oh, out on top. <laughs> it's remarkable how much uh, I've found from this era that that is the case for the writer. Like so many of like the guy that wrote Dracula 2000 is basically just like <laughs> that's it. Thieves break into a high tech bank vault vi- uh, and Dracula is in it. I'm going back to tending bar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just realized I was confusing Dracula 2000 with Dracula 3000 the one where they're on the spaceship oh that's a thousand what there's a dracula 3000 yeah dude with i'm pretty sure that's what it's called there's a so fucking bad there's a jason x where there's which is set on a spaceship is that what you're thinking of no no that's dracula Dracula 3000 is real it looks like it was shot on laser force It's got like a fucking sick HR Geiger poster as well, which looks way better than anything in the movie by Damn. such a long margin. We gotta track this movie down. Hey, but how about we track down something? And that's the story of the film soundtrack with Mad at Gravity. Okay, so this film has got a pretty stock standard orchestral score for the entire film. By a guy by the name of Ed Shermer. He did the Ed score Sheeran. to Die Hard. <laughs> was shot in Ireland. Uh, he did Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, a couple of Bond films, that kind of shit. James but Bond? what really stands out is uh, the songs from the credits are by 
a band by the name of Mad at Gravity. Here's a little taste of what they sound like. and foremost uh, on Mad at Gravity's Wikipedia page is the opening sentence. The band's name came from a poem that lead singer <laughs> Jalen Johnston wrote at age, age 19 stating that it just jumped out and it had so many applications. Citation needed. <laughs> <laughs> so many applications. It, I'd see one. Uh, the name of the band. <laughs> I would like a second. Like yeah. I'm not even asking for a third at this point. Give me two applications of that phrase. Single application, the name of a band from the years of 2000 to 2003, which is all this band lasted for. The fucking, um, that Wikipedia article describes their splitting up as the band disintegrating. <laughs> <laughs> the like band... they got blown up like a Monty Python sketch or something. <laughs> The band disintegrated in 2003 after vocalist Jalen Johnston left the band. First of all, his band. And the four remaining members were unable to find a suitable replacement. Oh, man. They literally just existed solely to do the soundtrack to this film. That's th- they did. I want to say they released an album, but I can't even, like confirm that that's real as it's released under something called artist direct records which just sounds like one of those like fake publishing houses that mark gets business secrets of the pharaohs published sure, with yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those like pay for play type things yeah like i so i listened to that whole album because it's, oh, it's on youtube oh my God. <laughs> It's like very, uh, I mean, it sounds exactly like what a band like that from that time would sound like, where it's a mix of like really, really cleanly overdriven guitars that just sound super reedy and weird, and then a lot of clean tone reverby stuff that's meant to sound a little odd, like, oh, we're not just heavy, we're also strange. Mm. But ah. every song sounds exactly that, the same. That sweet, without fail. sweet PRS through a flange pedal into a Mesa Boogie stack sound. <laughs> Nothing gets better. <laughs> so they have three songs over the credits that all just like a DJ transitioned into each other <laughs> that I only realised that it was three songs because they have three songs as their credit at the end of the film. <laughs> like, I think it's burn into uh, burn into dragon into uh, untitled one. <laughs> Let's still get residual oh, from this as well, surely. Oh, they think- are still hyped about it. Uh, they have an Instagram page that they only started, like... In 2019, and uh, whenever, like, Reign of Fire is on HBO or whatever, the Mad at Gravity official Instagram page will be like, make sure to check out Reign of Fire on HBO (laughs) and crank it in the end credits. That's so good. (laughs) They fucking, um, they did a post the other day that was like, don't forget, oh, not the other day, it was the end of 2019. They were like, don't forget, the movie Reign of Fire takes place in 2020, so we still have dragons to look forward to. And then they quote McConaughey's character as their, like, caption for it. Uh, they're like, envy the country that has heroes, huh? I say pity the country that needs them. Denton Van Zan. <laughs> <laughs> they have a 2019 wrapped where they're like, we had 18,000 listeners in 2019 on Spotify. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Oh, this is fantastic. It's so weird. This. Like it, This is either the dude from the band who is reliving some very minor former glories, or this is an insane person. But could be both. <laughs> <laughs> very, very possibly could be very easily both of those things. That's incredible. And they are getting a follow from me. And I am definitely going to ask them if they will please do the cold open for this episode. Oh, fuck, imagine. <laughs> imagine dragons? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> That's actually a pretty good bit. You know what else is a pretty good bit? The bodies hit the floor. School? The bodies hit the floor. School! So, uh, Ben, as you might know, we have a patented bodies hit the floor score in which we decide upon a film's uh, worthiness, much unlike two thumbs up, five stars, a body indicates a star. I am going to start off by giving this film four bodies hitting the floor. I, as as emphasized by my tone, had such a hoot, had such a holler. This film hit everything for me. It's just Terminator, but with dragons. What more do you want? <laughs> I Like, it's not a bad movie. Like, it's, I, I mean, I'm giving this a solid four, I reckon. Like, it, there's no point in it that drags. There's no point in it where, like, the parts of it that are stupid are fun stupid. And then the parts of it that they did well, you're like, oh, that's that's quite good, actually. Like, the whole setup to this movie of, like, the kid wandering into the mine site, and there's, like, a whole lot of setup about him not getting a scholarship or some shit, and, like, he's got all this great banter, and you're like, oh, this is a fun world that we're setting up that is immediately decimated. It's so good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm as generous as you dudes. Uh... I'm going to give it like three, probably. And that's like a soft three. But I totally agree. It is very fast paced. I think it's just uh, at, at the risk of making a it dragged on pun. There were like one or two parts that did drag on. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> nice. There it is. <laughs> but um, as a whole, like, I thought, like, I think I probably enjoyed it more this time around than when I saw it in the noughties. Like, uh, it it does have a very short runtime. I think it is the Matthew Brady painted under ninety minutes. <laughs> All right, which brings us to Peer Factory. That's- After Sean and I found out the Durst computer had become sentient, it had given us a hot new algorithm to judge how new metal a movie is. This algorithm uses our painted. Bodies hit the floor score and times it by our trademark Fred Durst score. Once we have received peer review, we can say that the PF sum, short for Peer Factory, is the most scientifically way to determine how new metal a movie is. That's right. Let me pull up the calculator. I mean, uh, <laughs> so. So, Ben, we have a a new segment on this season in which we are trying to crack the wild world of academia by getting our patented bodies hit the floor score and our Durst number rating as a mathematical equation to be peer-reviewed in a mathematics journal by the end of this year. That is something for sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty smart. <laughs> we're pretty fucking... We're pretty much geniuses. <laughs> so, 4 plus 4 plus 3 equals 11, times by the very rare number 3 Durst number. Uh, this is a Durst a, number of 3? I know. Elaborate. Uh, well, this film is uh, one... So, Jimi Hendrix and the song Fire connected to... Juliette Lewis, who was in a Janet Joplin uh, stage play, and Juliette Lewis was in Old School with Vince Vaughn, and Vince Vaughn was in Be Cool with Fred Durst. I think it's also important. You can do better than that. I think that. it's also important to note that Fire was covered by the Red Hot Chili Peppers at Woodstock '99. Which was oh, there it is. With Boom. The same year that Limp Bizkit played. And it's alleged that the song Fire made the fires start where Limp Biscuit just brought it home. Um, and, of course, famously, J- Jimi Hendrix once played at Woodstock. There we go. I think that's it. A lucky number of three. So, three times 11 gives this film a Peer Factory sum of 33, which is good nice. or bad. <laughs> patent pending patent pending if you were a doctoral candidate in mathematics we have two lined up already but we need more this is not a bit we are cracking academia we're going to make this happen didn't the guys from futurama manage to do exactly this where they got a paper published uh from a formula they did for the brain swapping episode for figuring out the minimum number of swaps you'd need to get a 
brain back into a body without getting it back into the same body twice, and then they got it published somewhere. That rules. Yeah, right. well, we're smarter than those fucking hacks over I, in I, Hollywood, I, man. I will track that down, though. That's... <laughs> Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope it didn't drag on too much for you. Nice. See now you there's a joke. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> what have you got coming up on Bunta Vista this year? Oh, it's, uh, more dumb shit. Uh, we, it's so stupid trying to describe what the podcast is now. It's just kind of pointless. We were like, two years ago, we are like, yeah. We're an Australian left-wing politics podcast. It's all about the crazy world of Australian politics. And now it's just like, well, the Dutch are being racist again. Here's 60 minutes of us being racist to the Dutch. There are only two things I can't stand in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. (laughs) That's us, baby. I love it. And have you got anything coming up you want to spruik for Two Bit Cinema Club? Um, just check out the Netherworld Facebook page. They post a bunch of the events that I do there. Uh, it's a nice venue, and we do some cool things if you live in Brisbane. Love it. Now, of course, there's only one song that we could come up with to end on this. No, it's not Jimi Hendrix's Fire. We are going to be going out with... Burn by Mad at Gravity. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Everybody. Goodbye. Try-